0: Welcome to the Town Learning Show podcast series, episode 72, with independent learning tech analyst, John Lay. Today, I interview Patty Costley, director of learning and development at NeoGov, about the complexities of multi-audience extended enterprise learning. You'll find more of our fiercely independent content at towntolearning.com. Well, welcome back, listeners, and thanks very much for tuning in to another episode of the to Learning Show. On this show, I'm fortunate to interview experts in extended enterprise learning technology from both the vendor and the practitioner points of view. And today is no different. We're lucky to have Patty Costley here today to talk about extended enterprise learning and share her experiences, successes, and wisdom. Very often, especially in customer learning, we like to think about the customer or partner audiences as the core focus. Well, that makes sense because it is. However, many organizations need and want to include employees and contractors into the same LMS. Why? Hmm. Well, because it's one learning management system, one content that could be shared throughout, one contract, one set of skills uh, inside your organization, that regardless of what department in. All those things provide a certain amount of synergy and horsepower organizations that can figure out how to manage and how to manage those complexities of multi audience learning. Well that's something that Patty has some great experience at and something that she's been doing really well and is an example to all of us and that's when I learned her story I wanted to have her on the show to share with everybody how to think about managing these diverse audiences at the same time in the same learning management system and share you know what she's learned in her journey along the way. And so Patty welcome to the town to learning show podcast series. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, when I first heard about your story a few weeks ago, I knew that I had to have you on podcast to share your experiences, mainly because uh, what you're doing is pretty challenging stuff. And a lot of our listeners are going to hear themselves and hear their training situation and what they're trying to do uh, inside your story. And I think we're all going to get a good opportunity to to learn some best practices and what you've learned over the last few years being really successful uh, with your deployment of, of learning system technology. But NeoGov is not a household name unless you're in uh, the government of some sort. And so maybe a great place to start was tell us about NeoGov, describe your organization and help set the stage before we dig into the training aspects. Could you do that please?
1: Absolutely. So Correct. NeoGov is a SaaS company, so software as a service. And there are two main divisions. So we have our human capital management division and we have our public safety and healthcare division. And there are a lot of different products. I think we're up to like 20, 24, 26 products and more coming. And they really help people in the public sector mainly, even though we're not exclusively public sector. They do help people in the public sector with things like onboarding, hiring, training, performance evaluation, um, on the... Public safety side, it's it's a lot of things like field training or policy management or accreditation management, healthcare folks also for accreditation management. And um, there's timekeeping for different shift bids and different things like that. So there's a lot of different software solutions that NeoGov offers. I started about 10 years back with PowerDMS and PowerDMS was acquired three years ago, almost four now. By NeoGov, and so we were just a little company then, and now we're part of the big, the big time with NeoGov.
0: Wow, excellent, excellent. And uh, I had personally had experiences uh, with NeoGov in uh, in past life, and so it was interesting to see that name uh, come along and and as how you describe it of being so big when I. First met that company uh, maybe fifteen years ago. They were quite small, so mm-hmm. uh, they've, they've been quite successful here uh, in the time I haven't been ta- paying attention. But your role is director of training and development inside the organization. Could you tell us about the scope of the the educational mission that you have uh, under your belt or under your purview?
1: Yes. So several years ago, on the power side of things, we determined that we needed a scalable solution for customers they had nothing. And so that kind of brought us to the path of, okay, what should that look like? We knew that we had people that were maybe working the late shift. Maybe they they came on at 11 o'clock and if there was a class or a meeting or something like that during the day, they wouldn't be able to attend that. And we also knew that having the same conversation multiple times all day, every day, just wasn't going to work with the growth that we were going to do. So we started thinking about what type of educational programs could we offer to, to solve this problem and to account for the growth that we knew was imminent. So we came up with Power DMS University. And so I built that. I was the lone ranger there for quite a while and started <laughs> recording audio in my closet for e-learning courses. So these e-learning courses, they're interactive. They're scenario-based. So it's it's the tell me show me let me try test me type of format it gives them the immediate feedback in the moment of whether they did something correctly and if they didn't they have the opportunity to try again we also knew that not everybody prefers to learn that way so we started building some virtual instructor-led courses and it's really the same thing the instructor's going to make it interactive you're in a sandbox you're doing those things and we started building that with our university We also have our community, which is our knowledge base and our community forums that our customers can ask questions of other customers. We have groups in there. We have our quick help articles, our quick help videos. My team also maintains all of that. And they are the success community managers. Really, that's kind of me right now. I'm hoping we'll be able to pass the torch to someone else under my team to take on the management of the community as well. And then, of course, we also have professional services. So sometimes the customers want something a little bit more and they want that personalized attention that's not in a group format. And so we scope and quote the professional services for either remote training that's one-on-one and really targeted to their learning objectives, or we will do go on-site and we'll also make a customized training plan. With specific learning objectives and success measures, so that we know that we're going to deliver what they need when we go there.
0: Wow. Wow. Sounds uh, impressive and expansive. Is it just for customers, or have you expanded it beyond customers to different audiences in the organization, different learning audiences?
1: We have lots of different learning audiences. And one other piece of it that I didn't mention that's very important is our certified professional program. So Mm -hmm. our certified professional program allows people to show that they're an expert using our particular pieces of software. We offer all of these things to, of course, internal, because if you work for us, you probably need to know how these systems work and maybe how to implement them or how to talk to customers about them. We have partners, so we have accreditation partners or different partners that we work with, but also it's important to make sure as we build that relationship that they understand how all the pieces fit together. And then we have resellers. So we have a group of folks that will sell our solutions on our behalf. And then um, various other, you know, different types of folks, of course, our customer base, many different types of organizations. So we have a pretty varied audience of people that need to learn about our products.
0: Hmm. And did you or do you Um, look at all these different audiences and and manage them through the the same learning system solution? Or did you choose a path of having different learning systems for different audiences, internal and external, for example? What was the the path that you chose?
1: One of the big things we did not want to have to do was maintain content in multiple places. So Hmm. we made the decision, uh, when we first chose an LMS, we made a mistake. And we found that out rather quickly within the first year. And then we decided, okay, it's time to find another one that will really support us not only today, but five years and more down the road. And it will also help us with all these different audiences that we have consuming learning about our products. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. And so you were able to find a solution that could manage content across all those different areas and all those different audiences? Is that right? Yes.
1: Yes. We have, we used Ocebo and so we used Ocebo for all of our e-learning and virtual instructor led training. And it's all housed in there. We have some automation set up that help deliver the content to the right people at the right time. And um, it's been really, really impactful to the business. And it's just made my life a lot easier because I don't have to remember, gosh, I have this course here, but these people over here. They need the update too. I don't have to remember any of that. It's just there. I use the central repository, which will push pieces of content out to the different places it lives within DoChevo and it's been it's been amazing because I don't have to hire an LMS administrator. I it's a set it and forget it. I have all the automation set up. When I need to update something, I'll go in and it's a couple clicks of the button, and then we go on with our life.
0: Wow! Wow! That's great. That's great. And so you found then that you're able to use the same content across uh, different audience groups, or do you have to modify it slightly for employees to to customers? How, How did you approach that? Or how do you think about that?
1: So we look at it that the way the product works is the way the product works. So functionality is functionality. So whether you're an employee or a customer or a reseller or a partner, how to upload a document is how to upload a document. It doesn't matter who you are. So we look at that, we have these core pieces of content that it doesn't matter what the audience is, it's the same functionality. So we're gonna send you to the same thing. What we're starting to do now is looking at, okay, where are the gaps? Where are the pieces of things that maybe only an implementation consultant would need, or maybe just a partner or reseller would need. And so in a a specific catalog, there'll be that little piece of things as well. So we'd like to streamline our content creation and maintenance so that the main things that are functionality based are all the same for everybody, and then you have your nuances, which honestly in our products there's not a lot of them, but you have them, and then we will will account for that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what about, in an internal area. Mm-hmm. What about nuances from, I don't know, from sales to implementation, or from resellers to internal sales? Is there is there nuances uh, in, in the content from that aspect?
1: I would say that in that instance, they need to know a little bit more about some of the technical aspects and capabilities that maybe our implementation consultants or our customers wouldn't need to know. They need some more behind-the-scenes type information. And some of that we've decided maybe e-learning or um, virtual instructor-led isn't the best path for that, and we put that in our knowledge base. So Mm. it really depends on the specifics. One of the things that our development team has done a really good job of is trying to make these more self-serve for the customer. And as we evolve and grow, self-service is really a big thing for us. So we're trying to make the products themselves so that they're not so complicated that we need an internal person to set it up and we have to have all of this other different pieces of learning. But we've really been trying to be very aware of when we go to create something, who our audience is, defining that, and where the overlaps are, we know that. We have this little matrix that we look at, and then where are the other supplemental things that we need to have for the different people that we work with, and then where should that live? Because it's mm-hmm. not always appropriate for e-learning or virtual instructor. Maybe it needs to be a quick help video or a quick help article. It, it just depends on what we're looking at.
0: Mm-hmm. What was your process to to start mapping this out, uh-huh. Do you map that out in Docebo or like, you know, all the different roles, all the different products, all the different audiences and all the different content? How do you manage the relationship? It seems like that would get complex in a hurry. Uh, How do you manage that?
1: When we started, it was easy because I knew everything about all the products. And then the people I hired started, you know, knowing everything about the products. So we just tackled it as this makes sense and we put it directly in Docebo that way. Well, now we have a ton of products. So what we've done is we basically have a spreadsheet with that's our inventory of all of the different types of pieces of content that we have. And part of that spreadsheet has an audience section. And so you can select who your audience is for that particular piece. And then we'll take that and translate it when we build the catalog in Docebo. Then we'll make sure that we know maybe we need two catalogs the central repository will manage that piece of content. So when we update it, it will push it to all the catalogs it lives in. But we started out doing it directly into Docebo, but now with all of the products and all of the pieces of content, we we have that on a spreadsheet and then we put that into Docebo.
0: You mentioned, uh, thanks, you, you mentioned different catalogs in a central repository. So help us understand uh, or visualize this concept. So a catalog would be, what a different audience would see or a group of learners would see, like, like their own subsection of a master catalog. How, how, do, how do you think about that or how, how should we think about that?
1: Right now we have it set up in two different ways. The catalogs are by product. So mm. this product has its own catalog and it may be um, a basic or an advanced catalog. And then from there, there may be a sub catalog of something what we do is we use Salesforce to automate who should get what. So it knows when a new person is added to a product, it creates a contact in Salesforce that then shows them what account that it, they're associated with. Then it knows what products they've purchased. And then that sinks into Docebo and all the catalogs are mapped. So they're just assigned. So we don't have to do any work. It's just done.
0: Cool. How long did it take to set that up? That, was that easy, or
1: It really wasn't bad because when we when we implemented Doceva, we did it in under 90 days, and that included us bringing in all of the learning objects and all of the historical data from our old system and creating all of these integrations. And the good thing about it is once you have that foundation set, as you have a new product, it's really easy to just make a couple more clicks and say, map this to this, and it just happens. It's, it's fabulous.
0: Hmm. Hmm. You mentioned that uh, NeoGov now has twenty-four products. I'm sure, or more. I'm sure some of those are organic, organically developed, and some, uh, like yourself, uh, you know, were were acquired. How did you handle, or was it a problem that any of these acquired companies had their own LMS already and their own content strategies and their own customer education programs? Do you encounter that and have to have to account for that and fold that in, or has that not been a problem for you?
1: It's, nobody has had an LMS. They have had some content, but they haven't been housing it in an LMS. And basically the other piece of it is that the companies that we've acquired were pretty small. So they didn't have a lot of people and people were jack of all trades. So they weren't really upset to turn over all of this stuff to us to maintain (laughs) and to create. And what we did was we we ended up migrating prior to October of last year We had multiple different knowledge bases and multiple different communities. And now they're all under one platform on the power side of things. The HCM side of things is coming soon. But that allowed us to make sure it's a one-stop shop for those customers. Now we, my team, are creating and maintaining all of that content. And then we had to create e-learning and virtual instructor-led content for all of those new brands because they didn't have any of that. So we did that in Docebo. And so now our customers know that Foundational learning happens in university. Your supplemental quick help is in the knowledge base, which is in our community.
0: Wow, cool, cool. And a knowledge base and the community, are they different systems than Docebo? Yes, but Ah. they are
1: one system together. I know a lot of companies have, here's your knowledge base, here's your community, here's your learning platform. So the knowledge base and community are Gainsight Digital Hub, and then our LMS is Docebo.
0: Oh, cool. So it sounds like integration is pretty important. You got Gainsight Hub, you talked about Salesforce. What what other how, what other uh, systems are in the ecosystem that you worry about?
1: So one of the great things about us being able to have visibility to our customer success managers, our implementation consultants, to the, the learning activity that their accounts are doing or not doing, is that we also have another Gainsight product called Gainsight CS. And Gainsight CS is a customer relationship management tool. And we use the Salesforce integration with Docebo to pass enrollment and learner information from Docebo to Salesforce. And then it filters into Gainsight. And there's a lovely area called the C360 that they can go in and get a snapshot of what's happening with my customer. What's the health score? What's the learning activity? Did they enroll but never complete? Did they never enroll? So that's a really integral piece of success, not only in implementation, but for quarterly business reviews or annual business reviews. And it also helps us with a lot of the data that I love to pull.
0: Wow, interesting, interesting. How about HRIS or data lakes? Uh, any of those systems?
1: We're not using anything like that right now. Salesforce is really our brain for everything that we're doing. We are also utilizing the Training and GoToWebinar integrations those are really important for us to help our virtual instructor-led courses run smoother. It allows the customer to go into Docebo and launch into the the learning class from there instead of having to go somewhere else. And since it's a two-way integration, it's less work for us when we're setting up and maintaining all of that as well. And then the Mm -hmm. great part about it at the end when when they've completed the course and attended, we just check a box because it feeds the data back in and then then it goes through the whole process of going to Salesforce and going into GainSite. And we just, we have so much information at our fingertips that really helps us manage the business.
0: Mm-hmm. And how big is your, you were talking about being a one man, one person show, uh, you know, back all those years ago. Uh, how many people do you have on your team now that that think about all this? Seems like you have a lot of balls in the air.
1: Let's see. I have two managers, one instructional content manager and one training specialist manager And then under the instructional content manager, she has 3.25 content creators, four instructional designers, and then we have four training specialists that work for us as well.
0: Wow. That's a far cry from a one-person band. That year I spent
1: in my closet as the Lone Ranger (laughs) seems like it was forever ago.
0: (laughs) How about that? So, uh, you know, with all those people, all that headcount, all this technology, all the integration, all the processes, you know, all that comes at a cost of accountability. Uh, you know, inside an organization, I'm curious. You know, what do you measure? What are what are the KPIs that that keep you up at night and keep uh, your your management up at night? You know, what are they worried about uh, in terms of this?
1: One of the biggest things when we started this journey is we had a problem with time to onboard. So our implementation time was just way too high. And a lot of it was because we didn't have a scalable option so that people could take learning on demand. And so they had to rely on meeting with their implementation consultant and trying to figure out schedules. And at one point in time, I was booked out six weeks in advance. And so we knew that the number one thing at the time that we needed to make a difference on was time to onboard. So we reduced that within the first year by 30%. And so that's been really great for us because it's part of our culture that university is just where you go. And the implementation consultants are able to use that as part of the journey during implementation so that they can focus on helping customers apply what they learned already when they went to university. So they're not teaching and helping them do it. They have a much better informed person that comes to them by the time they're ready to talk about, let's apply what you've learned to your use case.
0: Mm-hmm, hmm cool. Man, that's that's a great reduction. How about uh, any correlation between uh, the certified uh, professional programs and performance, I don't know, in sales or customer support? A- anything like that brewing from a measurement standpoint?
1: So one of the things that we've looked at a lot, so we like to look at health score of trained versus untrained accounts. Mm-hmm. And so we have this lovely graph that shows a huge block of green for those trained accounts. And then the untrained accounts, since there's a lot of red and orange there. <laughs> so that graph makes me very happy. One of the other things we look at is churn. So we know that just a general customer that has taken some level of training, they, they're they 30% less churn risk. But those accounts that have a PowerDMS certification certified professional, their churn percentage is 0.1%. Oh so gosh. 99.9 of them stay. So that's really great. It's been
0: very impactful. Boy, drop the mic. We should just stop right here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is probably the best metric I've ever heard. Oh, well, that is great. That is great. So churn time to onboard. Uh, certified professionals, you know, making a big impact. The uh when we talk about the uh oh, I got a lot more questions than I told you I was gonna ask. When you talk about the implementation and the journey, so Help us visualize that. So inside the learning management system, you have a journey that, that I guess, runs parallel to what the actual implementation journey is. So as they go through different phases, they have different activities to, to learn about that next phase. Like, how does that work? What, so
1: that. we're looking to automate this a little bit more. We just had some really great meetings today, actually, on that. But since there's a lot of moving pieces right now with bringing people over to the same Salesforce and all of this, it's a little bit more manual than what we'd like but they do have training plans. And the training plans are basically determined by the use case and first value of what the customer is trying to accomplish. And within that, we know that if you're trying to do X, Y, or Z, then you need to go to these three classes and then you can meet with your IC. And then maybe after that, if you have a little bit more, go to these two and then meet with your IC again. And just a lot of, it reduces the amount of meetings that the implementation consultant needs to have because they're learning it somewhere else. And then they're just truly being consultant, helping them apply what they've learned.
0: Wow, that's cool. That's cool. When you do, uh, I want to ask this question earlier, uh, the whole, uh, you know, show me, uh, try it, prove it uh, type concept. I didn't get that right. But uh, you know, in, in developing it, are you developing that in Docebo or are you using an authoring tool, an external authoring tool and, and bringing it in that way?
1: Yes. So we are using, we're using both. It depends on which division. We haven't picked a, a tool yet. We've decided we need to pick a tool as a team now that we've merged together as one big happy NeoGov education team. But um, we're using both Adobe Captivate and Articulate Storyline. And we're heavy, heavy into software simulations. So it's it's a little video. Well, we're going to tell you what we're going to tell you. We're going to show you a little demo video. Then we're going to give you a scenario, let you try it. And then we're going to give you hits and tell you if you did it correctly or not. And then the end piece of it is I'm going to make you do something with a different scenario. And I'm not going to give you those hints. So it allows them one of the big things I heard in that year that I spent by myself talking to customers and onboarding them. The biggest thing I heard was I wish I had a safe place to practice and get feedback and not mess my site up. And Mm -hmm. we delivered, we gave them that.
0: Wow. That's great. So you're doing all that through e-learning modules. Uh, How about a virtual lab? Uh, is that something that was considered or in play or something for the future? What are your thoughts about that? It's
1: been considered. And, you know, one of the things that we have to be a little careful about is with the type of company that we are, we have different compliances that we we have to be aware of and and stay accountable to. And so there were some concerns from an InfoSec perspective on the, the lab versus the way we're doing it right now. And so we're, we're kind of just sticking with this until we finish building out all of the catalogs for the HCM side of things. And everybody has good foundational learning now that we're bringing them into our university ecosystem. Then after that, we'll, we'll take a look at how can we make it more streamlined, better, faster. But right now we're pretty happy with the way things have been going. So we're going to keep on
0: mm-hmm. that path. Uh, good strategy. Good strategy. And that leads right into our our final question on strategy and advice, you know, from your closet to a team of 20 and 24 products and, and all that, what have you learned? What, what do you wish you could go back and tell yourself five or 10 years ago when you started this whole process? Uh, what, what advice would you give yourself?
1: The biggest one is that when you choose an LMS, don't choose for where you are that day. Hmm. Think about what the C-suite wants to accomplish in the next five plus years. Think about whether merger and acquisition is on the table think about whether you're going to have partners and resellers and different audiences and pick your tool based on that because that's what that's the mistake we made the first time around. we we were in so in the moment in the weeds that we were looking for the solution for then and we outgrew it before we could even launch it to the full customer base. <laughs> so that's the biggest one that I can say is an absolute must. And wow. the rest of it I think is just, my team were a bunch of nerds and we really tried to keep up on the learning science and and all of the new technology and how the brain works and how people best consume knowledge and make it sticky. And that has really served us well because the numbers don't lie. And I think that it yes, it might take a little bit more of an investment up front, but once you get it going, maintaining it's pretty easy. So I would say think about those things, but the biggest piece is Don't solve for your today problem, solve for your five-year problem and make sure you know what the C-suite wants you to be doing in five years as a company.
0: Well, there you have it, Sage Advice, Patty Costley, Director of Training and Development, NeoGov. What a fascinating conversation. Patty, thanks for joining me today and sharing what you're up to. It was great to have you here. Well,
1: thank you for having me. It was great to be here.
0: It's very exciting to to see a a true extended enterprise uh, implementation with all the audiences, Mergers, acquisitions, organic products, acquired products, pulling that all together to centralize everything from an approach to strategy, to content, to communication, measurement. Um, You know, this is this is all textbook of what people want to grow up to be uh, in our in our learning systems world. So uh, it's great to have you here and share And I'm sure lots and lots of listeners uh, see themselves uh, in in your story just a few years behind. So thanks for taking the time. You can do lots of stuff with your time to come here and help everybody out is much appreciated. So thank you, Uh, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Talented Learning Show podcast series. This was a great one. I'm sure you enjoyed it, and we hope to see you on the next. You can find more of our independent resources at talentedlearning.com. Have a great day, everyone.